Right, uh, as we go on in a moment, we are continuing. In fact, this is our second last installment of our habit series. Next week, we're going to be ending off uh, with, with a message that I think is going to help tie everything together and that I think will have an impact on everything else that we've been talking about. But this morning, I asked Swen uh, Stephens, our Sunningdale lead pastor, to actually come and share on an area that I know uh, he's seen uh, health and strength and growth in on a personal level. And so I really do want to encourage you to pay attention to it. Let me just tell you very quickly, I officiated over the marriage of Swen and Lara nearly 15 years ago. So they were about 14 when they got married. Uh, Swen loves to send me this photo of, of me at the ceremony where I look young and thin. I'm like, screw you, Swen. But anyway, I don't say that, no. <laughs> um, let me say one thing. There's plenty I can say, but I can honestly tell you, I don't think that there is another pastor that I've told more people about or other pastors about more when it comes to integrity than Swen. I can honestly tell you that, I, in, in my opinion, from the people that I know, and I, I know a, a fair number of, of pastors, uh, probably the number one character trait that I think of when I think of Swen is integrity, consistency, uh, character, persistence. He's a good man. I want to encourage you to lean in and pay attention. Please give a warm Molniton welcome to Swen Stephens. official we're doing that every Sunday is that what happens here every Sunday I'm doing that every Sunday in my church that's amazing thanks so much for the warm welcome um oh man you know I'm not an emotional guy most of you wouldn't know me but that's okay this is pretty much my base level if it's if it's hell or if it's heaven right but I, I honestly I struggle I struggle to um it's compose myself when I hear about people who are living at a level of sacrifice that it actually blows my, my mind away, like uh, Lloyd and Liana. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm going to get myself back in a minute. Okay. Um, because you know why? Because sacrifice is so rare in the 21st century. Sacrifice is so rare because nobody likes sacrifice, but everybody wants the result of the sacrifice. And even in this habit series, you know, it's easy to say that's what we want, but it's a whole other level to go sacrifice for what you want. And another thing to sacrifice for other people. And I just want to honor you guys for your level of sacrifice because I know that God has never forgotten a single day, a single prayer, a single moment. And, and I just want to thank you for what you're doing for the kingdom of God with other people. There's a big team behind you guys and with you guys. I know that, but you're here representing them and we want to honor you and honor your sacrifice, and we trust that God has got everything that you need in Jesus' name, and He is going to bless that work um, with people of faith like yourselves willing to continue to sacrifice and stretch and believe God for more. So I would unashamedly spend all my money. Like, anyway, I, I better you know, move on there. But I also want to say thank you to Jason and Sue, um, because Susan, sorry. Um, but uh, just... You guys don't understand what's happening in this church. It's not quite, it's not really normal. This is an amazing church built by an amazing lead couple who, who have an incredible team behind them who pave the way. The, the level of sacrifice that they've paid for your breakthrough, I can't even begin to explain to you the prayers, the, the, the battles that they've fought. And you know, it's not easy being a pastor. I know it looks glamorous and most people say, cool, so what do you, so what do, you do for your full-time job? I'm like, I drink coffee. What do you think I do? Um, but the time spent on their knees, praying, seeking God, 
And, and I know that they're not trying to build a platform for themselves. They are really trying to build a church that would impact the community and change people's lives forever. That it's not just about building a big church, but it's about building a church that follows Jesus and wants to know him more. And so your lives are well invested here. If there are people that you know in your world that need Jesus, this is the place to bring them. This is the place to invest. And I think that there are greater days for View Church Mullerton than have ever come before. The past isn't the best days of your life. You know, there's a big big window when you're driving your car and a very small mirror um, so that you can look behind and see the victories that God has won for you. But there are giants, there 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 is land, there are buildings. I think that you guys are going to inhabit this community, that you're going to move forward with the strength of God. And together with your pastors, I think that you guys are going to take further ground in Mullerton and surrounds because God wants to build this church. And the gates of hell cannot and will not prevail against the church in Jesus' name. So... Thank you so much for having me. I, I really do find it an honor. And Jason said, as long as you keep it short, you can preach here. So he gave me 45 minutes, which I know is short with Jason. Um, is it too soon? It's too soon. Okay, I'm just going to talk like I speak in my church. So it might feel a little bit random at times, but just go with me. Um, I'm going to be talking about financial habits. And so can we pray? Because I know I need Jesus every time I get up here. So if, you, if you're ready to receive something from God, open up your heart. Um, Open up your mind and let's get ready for for God to speak. Father, we thank you that we get to be in this place with you. Thank you, Lord, that that you are building your church, God. Father, I pray that the word that goes out would not return void, but achieves everything that you send it out to achieve. Because, Father, your word is there to lead us to you and to help us to build a strong and powerful and impactful life that will leave an eternal legacy. And so, Father, today I ask that you would open up our hearts. I ask you that you give us a revelation of Jesus. Because every habit we want to form is one that's submitted to Christ. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves to you this morning. And whatever is not from your word, whatever is not from you, I pray that that would be cast out and your word shall remain in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, my wife, and I've got, a, I've got a wife of 14 years as Jason. Uh, he was 21 when he married us, so that's why we look so young. Um, but uh, my son is now five years old, and we're beginning to look at schools for him for next year. And oh my hat, that's like a whole nother level, right? A whole nother story. But we're excited for the journey and what God is doing. And I'm sorry, my wife couldn't be with, with us today. She's actually leading in our kids' church. Um, she's a scientist and she's a kids' pastor in Jesus' name, right? So don't anybody tell you, you, don't, you have to wait for the right time to build a church. You can do it anytime. She's my hero, to be honest. I've spoken about our journey here before. Um, so I'm sorry that she couldn't be here. But... Uh, I heard John Maxwell say once that uh, we all have uphill hopes, but downhill habits, which means we, we have hopes for a great future, right? We have hopes to be debt-free. We have hopes to have a great family life. We have hopes to be addiction-free. We have hopes to, for strong uh, spiritual life, strong relationships. Am I right? I don't think anybody aims for small dreams. Everybody has great hopes. But we live with downhill habits, right? We live in a microwave culture. If you're hungry, go to McDonald's. Well, you know. So we we want a great body, but we eat at McDonald's, right? You know what the toughest piece of equipment in the gym is? The front door, right? We want the body, but we got to get through the front door first. Am am I right? Okay. You can talk to me. I don't mind. I'm not going to get sad. Anyway, so... We have uphill hopes and downhill habits. And to be honest, my wife and I, we have huge uphill hopes for the church, for our family, 
and it was probably about two or three years ago, I did a leadership course, and I started to write out with my wife um, just some of the vision that God has been speaking to us about. And so I'm here to talk about finances, so that's the one I'm going to talk. We've got a written out vision statement for our, for our finances that we want to live with margin and growing generosity. We want to live with margin and growing generosity because I want to have money, okay? I don't want to give it all away unless God speaks, get behind, no, you know? But I want to be more generous than I was last year. I want to keep growing in generosity because generosity is in the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he first gave what was most precious to him for us. And so we had these uphill hopes, <laughs> but we had downhill habits, right? Our finances is like going down on it, like on skis on a downhill slope, right? We're picking up speed and we're dodging trees and hoping we don't hit anything that makes us go splat. And so we have these promises of, and we've always been, this is just a humble, not a humble brag. This is just the truth. We've always been givers and we've always seen God supply more than what we've ever needed. To, to give you an ex- example, we got married at 21 years old. I don't know how my parents let that happen. I think I was just rebellious, but um, it was good. Best decision of my life other than Jesus. But you know, my wife actually had to pray over our food every week and the food would last to the end of the week because we were making sure that we could still give. We, we um, earned two and a half thousand rand a month. Newly married couple. Okay, that was like 600 years ago, but, but that was a hectic decision for us. But we committed ourselves to giving to the Lord and giving in generosity and sowing in generosity because it's the principle we believe in. And so we've always seen God supply. We've seen God give us a car. I, I, I can tell you stories of where I'd be sitting across the table from someone and, and they said, you know what, Sven, I know you had to take your car in. I want to pay for your new clutch. And I just broke down in tears. God has done incredible things for us. Uh, in fact, um, we, I, I quit my job and bought a house. Never a good idea unless God's speaking. And I felt like God was speaking. And to be honest, God was setting us up for ministry because the amount that I pay for my house every month is less than, it's half of what it would pay to rent the same place. Because of how God orchestrates. So I believe in living generously. But I also believe that it doesn't matter how many good dreams and good hopes you have, unless you have the habits to lead you to those hopes, they will remain a dream in your book. Your habits need to sustain the dream that God has put into your heart. Otherwise, it's pointless. It's like a mission statement on a wall. Just walk past it every day. And there were some things that, that in our lives that I had to come to grips with. I read the scripture and it terrified me. It said that if you can't handle money, who will give you the true riches of the kingdom? I was like, whoa, okay. So if I want my church to grow, I need to become disciplined in personal finance. That was, that was quite a knock for me, personally, for me. There's a scripture that also hit me for a six in Proverbs 21.20 that says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Can I tell you that I have been a financial fool for most of my life? I'm not talking about crazy debt. I'm just talking about spending more than I earn so that I don't have margin. I don't have more than enough. Right? If it, you, you open some people's cupboards. They're like, is this pick and pay? What? Like when you go shopping at your parents-in-law, it's like, you know, rain down on me, here in your presence, I am fed. 
When you look in our cupboard, it's like, what the heck? <laughs> that was then. Wise people live with margin. Fools spend what they get. I spent more than what I earned. I spent, I haven't worked it out, but probably about 105% of my income was gone. And we just kept on walking around the same mountain year after year, dreaming about something different. When in September or June of last year, it was just enough. You know, if you leak enough, eventually the bucket is empty and there is nothing left. We got to a point where, you know what, I was like, I can't live this. You know Popeye? Any Popeye fans here, right? That's all I can stands and I can't stands no more. That's how I got with our finances. You know, I was, I was, I'm like good at juggling. I'm juggling this credit card with that credit card. And eventually my debt is paying for my debt. And I just said, you know what? No more. I can't, I cannot live this way anymore. So I read two books on finances last year in like zero time. And I made a decision that enough is enough. And whatever the consequences will be, we are drawing a line in the sand that we are going to be healthy financially. It's not a dream we're going to visit. It's a promise that we're going to inhabit. And we're going to pay through discipline of habits. And, and so uh, we decided that, you know what, if the, if, the, if the bank, if our cards have to bounce, they have to bounce. In fact, they bounced so often, I thought, is it ever going to stop bouncing? But in the period of four to five months, by the end of the year, we never stressed over one rand. We didn't stress. We had more than enough money coming in, in four to five months. And I want to teach you a little bit about why that happened in our world. That in four to five months, from a place of freak, I don't know what's going to happen with this. We just, we just... It's too much for me. To a point of, it was the best December we'd experienced in more than 10 years. I actually told Jason, I've never been so free ever in December. And I got half of, just to be, just, you know, clarity. I got half of my, my bonus. My wife got a 13th check. And so we were, it was like, oh no, we got less money than we were hoping for. But praise God for every rand they came in. Because it was more than enough than what we needed. In fact, we were able to save money aside. Things have happened this year. It's okay, we got cash to cover that. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And that's what I want for each and every person in my church and for you. And before you, just to let you know, that I'm going to talk about financial habits. But you know that finances is deeply spiritual? You did not come to a financial seminar today. You came to hear about God's plan for our finances. Because you know that finances, stewardship, is actually mentioned more times in the Bible than money? I mean, than, than faith. Faith is mentioned 215 times, salvation 218 times, and those are pretty big topics in Scripture, right? Finances, stewardship are mentioned more than 2,000 times in Scripture. The reason is, is because finances have a deep hold on our peace, on our freedom. Finances have a hold on our future decisions because we want to be more generous, we just don't have the money, am I right? It's a deeply spiritual thing. Billy Graham, an incredible evangelist, he, he mentioned this quote, and they're going to pop it up there. That if a person gets his attitude to money right, it will straighten out almost every other area of his life. He probably preached the gospel to more people than anybody else on the planet today. But he knew that there's something about financial stewardship that is able to discipline a person that they can find freedom and growth in other areas of their life. And let's just be honest, finances is a secret shame of the 21st, of the 21st century, that and anxiety. 
We don't want to let people know what's going on in our financial world because we're so ashamed. Because the truth is, most people are living beyond their means. Some people think, oh man, they've got so much money. It might look like it, but they actually have so much debt as well. And so I want to talk about this issue. And, and so if you're taking notes, this is the one thing I want you to get today. Is if you manage your money, it won't manage you. If you manage your money, it won't manage you. And I know immediately the pushback is, Sven, if I just had more, I would be able to, to, to do better financially. I would, be, I would have margin. I wouldn't be a slave um, to the banks, a slave to the lender. I, I would be able to give way more. Let me just tell you that that is rubbish because there are a lot of people living in communities that they can't afford to live in, putting their kids in schools that they can't afford, afford to put them into because they can't trust God with less. And so they want to take God's position in the whole thing. Or they say, I'm stuck and there's no way out. You know, I've, I've been to that place. You know what, you're dug, you're, you've dug in so deep, you might as well keep going because breakthrough's on the other side. No, that's just me? Okay. That's fine. But Jesus tells a parable where he's, of the talents where he says he gave this to this person, that to another person, and that to another person. And he was never, ever looking for how much they returned, just the fact that they returned what was given with an increase. It's called stewardship. It's called faithfulness. Faithfulness brings increase. So it doesn't matter how much you earn or much how much you get. The question is, are you able to manage what the Lord has given to you? Because those who are faithful with the little can be entrusted with much. If you want to be faithful with millions, be faithful with hundreds in Jesus' name. And so I want to talk to us with three points because I believe that you can win with money in the way that honors God because faithfulness opens the door to God's promise. So there's three points that I want to share with you quickly. Number one, accept God's promise. Accept God's promise. 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says, And God will, give gener- God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty. Do you think Paul's maybe excluding something? All things, everything, more than you need. Left over to share with others. See, the promise of God is that He wants to give you all things. God wants to bless you with more. I do believe that God doesn't want anyone to be poor, but God does give more to those who are faithful stewards. You wouldn't buy a Ferrari for your 16-year-old. God won't give a million rand to someone who can't handle a hundred rand. We want to, but God has a promise for us. And as believers, if you're a Christ follower, you don't stand on what the promises of culture are. You don't stand on the promises of what other people promise you or what other stocks are available. We stand on the promises of God's word because in God's word, there is power. And God's promises are faithful and true. Amen? They are good promises. But habits need to line up with the promises of God's word. And never forget what the more is for. The more is always for others. When you get more, it's not great so that my life can increase. It's so that I can help other people increase. And when I take care of others, God keeps on taking care of me. We are blessed of heaven, blessed with provision. And so today, if you're in a place where you need help, to get a balanced picture of finances, biblical finance in your area. I want to help you with that. But we have to become intentional. I heard one person say that you have to send out your rands 
like generals to do what you want them to do with intention, not by, just not by accident, because you can't build anything by accident. The second point is this. So you stand on God's promises of God's word, but now you need to make a plan. You need to make a plan because those who fail to plan, plan to fail. And yes, I do mean a budget. It's like a curse word, is it, am I right? You mean budget? If you're anything like me, you did write a budget, but it was five years ago and you can't find it anymore. Hey, just, I would write a budget every other month and then I'd be like, okay, but where is it? And I'd, I'd look through all the, the spreadsheets on my computer and find like budgets from years ago. I'm like, what's happening in my life? Because you know what I find? I find it easier to stick my head in the sand and just wish that it would all go away and wish that God would continue to bless me. God would give me more than enough. And he always did. I just spent it all because I didn't have a plan because I was afraid of what the plan would reveal. Hey, we always use that term, more month than money. I want to tell you that by God's grace, we have more money than month. Because we've submitted ourselves to a budget. And can I tell you something really unromantic, all the married couples? We now have a budget meeting every month. Oh. But if, you, if you're in business and you know what a budget meeting is, you just want the snacks and you want to get out there, you don't care. It is the most unromantic time. But I picked up some, some, um, some tips from somebody and we make it, we bring sweets. Because when you're dealing with your budget, food comforts. <laughs> Speckled eggs, understand. Come on, come on. Lynn Chocolate knows how I feel. And we pour out our emotions into our food because food's love. I'm kidding. We want to celebrate. And if you're, if you're, my wife's going to kill me for saying this, but if you're a married couple, why not end off a budget meeting with a happy ending, if you know what I mean? You need a reason to budget. Hey, maybe that's the one time of the month. I don't know, but you know. Make it exciting, somebody. Okay. <laughs> you guys are rowdy. I love it, man. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Amen. I love it. And here's the thing. Because budgeting is not about a budget. Money is not about money. It's about you. It's about the man in the mirror. I'm talking about the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. I'm sorry. I said I was going to preach like I preach in my church. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Jason's back next week. His email address is Jason Render. I don't know, but okay. But it's about disciplining the person in the mirror because we think it's the economy, it's our job, it's our business, it's our customers. We put the blame on everybody else except for ourselves to be disciplined in the area of finance. And so we've started using a, an app called Buddy. And you know what it is? I have to say no to things that I want. But I'm saying no now so I can say yes later. And I'm grateful for the person I'm becoming in the future. Because here's the thing. The other day, when I first preached this message, I, that weekend I actually went to go buy clothes for myself. Now I'm trying to be a bit more fashion forward, okay? But I feel guilty about buying clothes. I'm like, it's such a terrible purchase. I'd rather buy tech. But I went to go buy, and you know what? At the end of it, 
At the end of it, I felt really good about myself because my budget said I could spend it. I didn't feel guilty because the money was there. And so what my wife and I do, we use an app called Buddy. I'll show you the resources at the back. Oh, my hat. Yeah, good. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's the time. Buddy app, which actually updates live. Every time we go to pick and pay, the app is updated. So I know every single moment of the day what my wife is spending. I'm joking. What we can spend. What we can spend. And that helps me to make better better decisions because I'll first look at my budget, then I go shopping. Anyway, last one is this. You need to follow a biblical pattern. Follow a biblical pattern. So I told you that I read books last year, two books, and I'll show you them at the end as well. They taught me a biblical pattern to finance because God actually has the answer to every question we have if we will search for it. And so there is this principle, the 10, 10, 10, 70 principle, and we've got four buckets coming up on the slide. And this is a summary of it. And I know most of you are going to have a slight heart attack and you realize these numbers, but don't worry, I'll tell you the truth afterwards. But there's a biblical model or a pattern that if we can follow, we can see breakthrough in our finances. And that's give 10%. Whoa, 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 okay. I, I gotta, these days I've got to stand right, otherwise my bald spots are exposed. Um, the wisdom of a preacher, I wear black, so I look thinner. Um, give 10%. See 10%, which is be generous with 10%, save 10%, or get rid of your debt first, and then live on the rest, which is about 70%. Now, if you look at me, I gave, and I was living at 105%, so my sums weren't working out, so I had to go to, I had to, go to work. And here's the thing. I'm going to break this down for us in the time that's left, is that we give as believers, we hold to the conviction that the first 10% of our increase belongs to the Lord. That's what it says in Proverbs, Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You see, I, I tell my church that, that giving the tithe is not actually generosity. It's just not stealing. I tell my church that when we return God's portion, it means that he has say over the rest. We settle the issue of God's sovereignty over our finances. Because I find that when we get saved, we get saved, but our wallet's still going through a process of sanctification. Am I right? Okay, that's just me. Okay. And I'm not saying that we're here for you. I'm saying if you're planting in a local church, you're not giving to the church. You're giving to God through the church. Okay, just be aware of that. Because when we return God's portion, the rest comes under the blessing of heaven. The second bucket is seed. Now, seed is a, talk about sowing generously. 2 Corinthians 9.10, He who supplies seed to the sower, which is God, and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Here's the truth. Sowers always have seed because God wants to give through people to meet the needs. He does. He wants us to be generous. He wants us to live like no one else. He wants us to be submitted under heaven because God so loved the world that he gave first. And our response is the same, that we want to give 
Some people say, come on, where is God in Africa? Can I tell you where God is in Africa? He is using our money to send people across borders to change the lives of people that we will never meet. That's where God is involved in Africa. That's where God is involved in cities. And that's where God's involved in your life. And it's not about giving to the church this. This is money that you just want to be generous with. Maybe a friend needs you to bail them out. Maybe you want to be a secret giver or a secret Santa. Buy someone a new car. I don't know. It doesn't have to come to the house, but it can go through the house for sure. I know that that there's a dream to own this whole building in Jesus' name. It's not going to fall out of heaven. It's going to come through people. And so give however you feel led to give. Give to Lloyd and Liana. Give to Salt. Give to whatever area that you can see an eternal reward for. Because there are some things that are noble. Like you can feed someone and that's noble. But I would rather us feed someone and see their life impacted through Christ so that I can celebrate in heaven with them and leave an, 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 an eternal impact. Am I right? A legacy. Okay. The, last, the, second, uh, the third one is save. Save 10%. You know that there's a movement at the moment of people spending their inheritance, that their children don't receive an inheritance. So they, they call them skins or ski or die brokers. It's bizarre. But God doesn't want you to give away everything you own. He wants you to build up wealth for future generations. Proverbs 13, 22, good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren to live with a generational mindset, legacy kind of living. To save and build on for generation upon generation things that grow in value. We love driving fast cars, but they get smaller in value while houses and investments grow in value. I'm not an investment guru, so don't ask me about that. But there are people who do that for a living. Put money aside that you can leave for future generations. And then to live off the rest. This is where budgeting comes in. And discipline ourselves to live on the rest. And so in my closing moments, I want to show you where we're at financially. Now, there's no numbers, just percentages, okay? Okay, we're there we go. Okay. We give 10%. We sow 2%. We save 10%. And that encompasses my debt reduction. And I live off 78%. That's where I'm at, but I have a goal. Because we want to live with margin and growing generosity. And so what we want to do is we want to reduce our debt so that we can increase our savings. There's only two ways to live with margin, make more or spend less. It's either up or you got to make a decision which one you're willing to go for. I had to stop going for coffees. I had to start making coffee at home. What a blessing that is now. I still don't drink red coffee. I think that's what they drink in hell. Sorry if I offended you there for a moment. Okay. <laughs> it's a South African favorite. I can't, I can't deny that. But, but, but here's, here's why. Because I believe that God, if I can be trustworthy and faithful with what God has given to me, He can increase and multiply beyond what I am able to. I'm telling you, I am seeing victory in it. I am telling you that we have a five-year goal to be completely debt-free. It might even happen sooner. And we are still giving money away. I, I don't look at how much I tithe because I'm just thinking, Jesus, take the wheel, right? But I've discovered that I, can, I cannot afford not to tithe. I cannot afford not to be generous because I want to be trusted with more seed 
or influence to bless other people. And so I have to say no to the things that I would like so that I can say yes to the things that I really want, that God is glorified in my finances. And I just want to pray for a moment, if I can, I'm going to hand over to Jason. I promised a slide. Is there a slide? Maybe we could leave it up right after the service and not now. Right at the end of the service is resources. And, and if, you know, if you want resources, budgets and stuff, I've got it all for you. I can send it to you, no problem. Just write it on your connection card and, and the team here will get it to you. But imagine a life where you had financial margin. Imagine a life where you didn't have the bank always sending you statements. Imagine a life where you didn't have debt payments. Imagine a life where you owned your house, where you owned your car. Imagine a life where where there was a need you can send without having to pray. Imagine a life that you had peace when you went to sleep at night. That's what I want for you. And that's what God wants for you. God's issue, this is not salvation. This is an issue of freedom. God wants freedom for you, but you need to build the habits to get to freedom in Jesus' name. So maybe you're sitting with a secret shame that you don't, maybe your spouse doesn't even know because you've taken care of the finances for so long. Can I just pray? Can we close our eyes and just pray? And if you want God to move in this area of your life, open up your heart. Maybe you open your palms to heaven and as we pray. Father, I thank you for your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your generosity, God. God, I thank you that your promises for us are amazing. They are so good. We don't even understand all that we have in Christ. But God, I pray that this church would be a church that believes you at your word and is willing to walk in faith no matter the cost. That, Father, you would straighten up our finances, Lord. Forgive us and take away the shame. Because, God, it's only when shame is removed that growth can happen. So, Father, I pray that you release people here from the debt and the burden and begin to help them to build a a plan for the future. In Jesus' name.